You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. If you hear a doggy barking during this podcast, you just have to ignore it. It's just me making my doggy noises. Right. No, While it's... you're talking, that's good ventriloquism. It's actually outside. Mm-hmm. You might hear it. I, I'll hear it. And you'll hear it. We are surrounded. This is teeth gritting sound. This is my teeth gritting voice. We are surrounded by people who have dogs. And also, <laughs> people who have dogs who just like to throw them outside all yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, it's not the dog's fault. It's I, freezing outside. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-dog. Except that people don't care for them properly. Bloody dogs. You know, bloody dog owners. Yeah, it is dog owners, because dogs don't know any better. In fact, that's something's wrong, or something's not stimulating them or satisfying them, and they... We're talking about dogs, not the occasional bark-bark, someone comes into their yard, and we're talking about this. Arr! 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 Now, if that was annoying... (laughs) Well, imagine it was that annoying. Yeah, I was annoyed. Imagine that times about five hours a day without any break. And sometimes it's a little more random, which also drives me crazy. But so we're just saying, if you hear it, our apologies. Oh, apologies from the dog. <laughs> All right. So it is Sunday, January the 20th, 2013. And this is after the show number 258. Uh, Sita, what's after the show number 258? It's a 258 <laughs> attempt at you and I having a civil conversation it's not an attempt after a movie to discuss our thoughts on that particular movie which we turned into a a popular web series (laughs) popular (laughs) amongst the two of us (laughs) we attempt that doesn't mean we're successful we're attempting people listen to it true true Uh, and we're married to each other so So. we are a yeah I I not yep. everyone knows that, I don't think. The other day, like, there there must be lots of podcasts with married couples. Be it gay couples or, you know, I've seen some... Do you mean just couples? Just different couples. Different types of couples. Um, and some started following me on Twitter. How tw- many types of couples are there? Well, you would get like... Isn't it just two people who love each other? Uh, couples. I'm just talking about different types of couples. Like a Japanese wife and a American... Husband, you know, different cultures. Do you mean different... their topic is based on their differences? Well, it would come into it, right? Okay, not always. Like but... it does for us. Like I, sometimes I say, you say, oh, yeah. like, that's just a British thing. Or, and I'm, true, true. That's another point for this. But I'm British and you're American, <laughs> so um, yes. So we, there's differences there. But I'm saying there's lots of variations of people, isn't there? And the other day, somebody followed me on Twitter, and they were there was a new podcast called. Married to the Games, and it's a video game podcast, which, in its description, said that it was married, because we're, we're, like, categorized as a married podcast. So they'd followed us for that reason, I guess. But then when I went and listened to it, there were just three dudes talking, and it just so happened they were married, but the wives had nothing to Not do Not to with each it. other. Right, <laughs> exactly. But the wives had nothing to do with the uh, podcast, it was just these three dudes talking about video games but then often referring oh yeah my wife watches me play this so it really had nothing to do with yes they're married but it wasn't a married podcast I don't see it that way but if you want to listen to it Married to the Games um, why are you promoting it? well I listen to it there's Mm. nothing wrong with it it's just not like what we do it's more some dudes get together Almost getting away from the women because they talk about the women like that sometimes. Like, oh, oh good, thank this you. This is a good, this good excuse to come to the man cave, that kind of thing. So, oh um, my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so and just is. just for just for you, if you haven't listened before, we don't agree on a lot of things. So <laughs> we agree on some things, but I will disagree with a lot of things. And I, I agree with most things you say. No, you don't. You just pretend like you do. <laughs> Right, so, um, yeah, so we're looking at a movie this week, and uh, the movie we're looking at this week is House at the End of the Street. It's a 2012 release, but there is a little bit of behind the scenes here. It's actually made in 2010, and actually um, shelved for a couple of years, which 
we'll go into later why that happened. Um, it was released on Blu-ray and DVD on the 8th of January 2013, so you can get this now. Uh, it's rated... Um, no, it's not It's not rated R, even though I wrote down rated R. It's um, actually a PG-13, but included on this disc is the unrated version, which is a minute longer than the PG-13. The tagline for the movie is Fear Thy Neighbour, and uh, it's from our friends at Fox, and Sid Talk here is going to give you the synopsis of this movie. Okay, just hang on a second. got to change my screensaver. <laughs> Great. To uh, 98 minutes. Now, people use computers. They understand. And we don't want that ruining our... Okay. Synopsis is... Oh, I don't want to give anything away. So I'm not going to be responsible for spoilers. But I'm going to say that it is essentially a story about a teenage girl and her mother. And the relationship there. With some horrific stuff thrown in with the neighbor's house. It highlights that, like relationships, and then, you know, inside of what would be considered a horror story. So, um, let's just give a spoiler warning up front here. If you've not seen this movie, come back when you have seen it, listen to what we have to say, because we might talk about the plot. I try to be as vague as possible, but if you're really, really vague, you're not really talking about anything. (laughs) You are in your own head because you've seen it. But to other people, like, well, you're not telling me anything. Yeah, but what if they only want to see this movie based on what you say? So they're not going to watch it until they find out what you think. Right. Well, I say go and watch it. If I if I say to you at this point, don't watch this movie, you know, you know. Uh, but I'm saying go and watch this movie, then come back. Right. So we might spoil some stuff, but not everything, just some things. So uh, I like to keep endings i don't like to tell on endings and stuff so i don't um, even like to give the vibe of an ending i think that's exactly the same as giving away the ending so this movie house at the end of the street um it's uh for me i enjoyed it but and this is a but a big but and we did watch the unrated version let me say which is a minute longer than the Mm. pg-13 version we just don't know why we just don't know why but but this has a, this is quite a good movie in in respect. But it's too tame for me. Like it's everything's done for a teenage audience. I I feel that's the vibe I get when I'm watching it. Like the who can the teenage audience who can see a PG thirteen, but can't see an R rated movie yet. The thirteen-year-olds, right? That would be it. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary. It's got some jump scares. It's a great movie for you know. But it isn't like it's got a dark theme. It has, but it isn't dark. But it never takes the dark theme. Doesn't suck you into like this, like you feel creepied up. So it never takes the dark theme far. It's it's almost like. There's an R-rated movie on the on the. I'm doing like a circle here with my hands. There's an R-rated movie, and this movie lives in the middle, like a, in a circle inside the big R-rated movie, and never goes across the boundary of the oh, R-rated movie. Interesting. Like it could, it could be an R-rated movie, and I might like it more in that respect because it's, it's, it's very, without giving the ending away, and there are some, and some. Yep. It's like an episode of the A-Team. Nobody... No, no, I don't think that's fair. But I know what you're getting at. But I don't think that's a fair representation. I think think there are people who should have been killed in this movie because of what happened to them, and they never died. That's what I'm saying. No, I disagree. But, um, obviously... No, you don't always. No. It's got a double double stab. He did, and that one didn't. So, Mm. I think that's fair. He did. He was gonna anyway. Does <laughs> that for vagueness? <laughs> I think a movie like what's the one with um, uh, da, 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 Sharon Stone, Stephen Dorst? No, Stephen Dorst. Dorf. Dorf. <laughs> and uh, is it uh, not Han Solo? But the other one I always mix them up. Dennis somebody. Dennis Quaid. Sharon Stone. Now that's a movie that's not great or anything. What is that? I don't know. I can't remember the name. Sliver. No, it's not Sliver. It's a, they go to a house. Same kind of thing. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. one has that 
that bit of it's not great. It's not. I mean, it's got its own little stupid scares and stuff, but it somehow gives you the the creepy vibe where you're just a little bit more on edge. It's not super gory or anything either, and it's not well done. I'm not sure if it's a great example, but it's one of those movies that it reaches even further than you're saying to make it feel like dark and uh, abrasive. And and Stephen Dorff in that movie, I don't know what it's called, but that movie, it's like a house or something, like a stately home or something. Him, he's actually menacing, really, really menacing. Yes, yes, menacing. The kid in this, and there's a kid in this, I mean, there's a menacing dude. Mm -hmm. I didn't find him super menacing. Yeah, but then he's not supposed to be. No, That's he's not. part of the... the but I never the, did. As they say, part of the hook of this particular movie would be the idea of trusting people based on just a tiny bit of information that you have. They've just moved... This is a very used theme. This mother oh, and daughter absolutely. have just moved to the area. She's new to school. The mother's new to her job. The mother's had a troubled past and they're not very close the girl then doesn't know anybody, so she doesn't know that this guy is creepy or that girl is a bitch or this guy is a jerk. So she's new to it all, which, you know, it's just one of those tools that you use in a story to sort of add a little bit of, what would you say, like dynamic stuff to the It's also to, to add a little bit of uh, feeling uneasy because you, cause you're with these characters and you're yeah. kind of like, you're oh, going well, along it's not comfortable her. here. You're yeah. learning them along right. with her and she's being presented with... This one girl at school, and this guy who appears to be a nice guy, and then maybe he's not. And then this guy, who was one of our feature guys, appears to be, you know, what he is, kind of broken and damaged and quiet and reflective. And we're going along, but you always have, you have that little doubt in your mind, because you know how movies work. And yet it never makes you feel, uh, like you said, I'm not, I get a little scared of him at one point. But that's only because all in, in in an instant you understand his capability, like the oh my god, like what the hell is he I, even doing? Actually, uh, in this in this movie, but I was in the say, middle, it's actually to its benefit. It actually moves along its idea more because he doesn't make you feel creepy. the idea of this movie. I, I I kind of enjoyed this movie, but it, it's it's semi predictable for me in parts. But the the larger idea of the movie. And I'm talking about... I'm not going to tell you, but there's something happening between mm-hmm. this and that. And then when you find out something, there's this this idea in my head was, okay, there's more to this than yep. meets the eye, but how much more to this? And I, you'll never know, because it's like a... It's just a thing in there. But that was more interesting to me than what was yeah, going on. Yeah, so it's not... It doesn't just it doesn't just play out like you actually think it always will around every... Even the relationships and the... the I was actually surprised maybe twice, I, actually. Like, not surprised, like, <gasps> that person came out of there, but No, surprised surprise, like, as in, oh, that's where it's going now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, three times for me. Right. Things that I hadn't already projected, and I don't. You don't. We don't do it on purpose. Some people do try to figure shit out, but you don't really do it. It's just I actually don't do that. It's like you've seen so many movies. It's just you've seen a lot. Yeah, and all of a sudden they're they're kind of like everything's falling into little slots on this rail, like you're going down a, a track, and then when it jumps that rail every once in a while, it makes. I don't know that it makes the movie better but it makes the experience of it better to me see what i feel like about this movie is i would maybe like it better if they could have pushed it further first off second off how would they do that um it just what are you uh, wanting that's you want some more gore yeah maybe or a bit more like you can be a bit more sinister maybe with do you want to be told or hinted at earlier who you're supposed to be leery of so that you have that sense of menace maybe no no, I don't want that because right. I like the way they did it. Right. So how would you? I make just maybe want. See, I, 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 movies that freak me out are like The Exorcist, um, things like Hostel, because it's like, it's really pushing it over the line. Yeah, it's believable cause because like, of the gore. No, it's not because of the gore. It's because uh, I, I do like a bit of gore. Obviously, I've watched a lot of gory <laughs> movies in my time, um, but it's not because of the gore. It's because in my mind. I know what type of film it is, and I don't know how far it's going to go. In this movie, when I started watching it, I immediately got the grasp of, this is that type of film, so we're never going to go as far as I might want it to. 
Okay, when you say goes far, do you mean the feeling it gives you or visually All really horrific things? Horrific things and the feeling it gives me. Because they never go even too far with the, yes, there are some jump scares. But actual parts where you might go, oh my god, that freaks me out completely. Like, I'm freaked out by that. But that doesn't improve the quality of the movie. No, but it improves like the sensation I get from a horror movie, I guess. And I don't think this is 100% a horror movie either. And that's what makes you feel like someone's menacing once you've seen or known that they've done something really something horrific. Something bad, yeah. But we know that. Yeah. So why isn't that I enough? guess I don't buy that guy so... so as... Right, but that's the thing. Right, but it's I about It's about not being able to see past someone what they present to you. Mm. So they've been a success on you. Because you don't see it either. She didn't see it either. So, in one way, that's a good thing. Mm. But when he does, when this, when the cracks start to show, it doesn't go far enough. When you think about it. Then again, you have to think about his whole life and the whole story. He's just controlled it It's a very forever. small situation, basically, when it gets down, when it gets yeah. down to the shit in the van. It's a really small contained situation. It's not yeah. like... What's led to this whole thing right. is just a thing, yeah. And, you know... Well, it kind of goes... I actually... A little bit out. See, another funny thing was the lead character, uh, Alyssa, even though she's in some dangerous situations, I never felt she was in danger. And I didn't either. I, I think that's because I thought, well, she's smarter than everybody. She's She can get out of anything. It's been established that yeah. she's bold. She says what's on her mind. She's been independent because her mother's been a shitty mother. She fends for herself when she needs to. She's clever. We get mm-hmm. that from all the different things. And... Her acting, because she's good at all of her... She does the looks and the perception things of watching people and whatnot. So you're already convinced, oh, right, she'll be fine in oh. any situation. So the the you think of them as little threats along the way. Like, just this yeah. part was like, oh, duh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to, you know, cause, slow her down maybe. But I never felt she was as vulnerable as... Some other people that we come across, and then you go, oh, oh, they're in danger. Like, danger, danger. I think I wanted to see more of the other danger, but, danger. But is that part of it, too? Is that how the director wants us to to never quite know what's... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's so that's to its credit, I suppose. I don't think it's a bad movie, and I think... We're just like, messing the ultimate menacing feeling. Yeah, and you know the fact that on the cover they go to great lengths to etch the word unrated and make it look like, oh yeah, you know, if you did see this in the theatre, this is the yeah. version that you might... Like, if I'd have gone to see this in the theatre, what I'd have said to you when we walked out of the theatre is, I can't wait to see this on Blu-ray, because the unrated version will yeah, take it over the edge. Like, Just because you're saying it's a minute longer doesn't mean that they haven't removed other sections and replaced them with more intense things. Like, there could have been a five-minute segment that they've left in the theatrical version, and then plucked that out, and then the five-minute version that they preferred plunked it back in. So we don't know. It's never just a matter of tagging on stuff, is it? No, it says on that. It says on that moviecensorship.com that I went to, there's one minute of added footage. It doesn't mean they took ten minutes right. out and replaced that with new footage. It means But they didn't just say that specifically. They're just saying there's added footage of one minute, yeah. but they don't say... Because there are different ways of doing scenes, aren't there? So I would always keep that in mind, too. There might be a scene we're watching, and then we watch it in the unrated version and go, whoa. I have no interest in seeing the not-rated... I mean, the PG-13 version after seeing the unrated. Because the unrated is mild, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As far as intensity goes. It's pretty mild-like. But if, if you are that age, the teenage crowd, I could see... You know, this actually did very well in the theatres... And that is the crowd that buy the tickets to this movie. Because mm. it, you know, it's got... They can relate to it because it's high schoolers. Um. And I'll give it credit for a couple of things. Number one, there is... Again, this could be considered a spoiler, I guess. There is no gratuitous teenage sexual stuff going on. There is a, a hint, Hints but it turns happening. out as a good thing. Right. The thing that happens turns out to be like a fuck off... And that's it. There's no there's no forced sex. There's no girls hanging around naked. There's no, like, tits and ass hanging around. There's no, like... You know what I mean? There's none of that thrown in as a titillation or as a distraction. You get a little tiny hint that, oh, my God, this has become... This is going to become a teenage kill the teenager yeah. movie. But it's not and stuff. So I give it credit for that. And... 
And what was the other thing? I don't think that the mother ever stopped being what she was. You know, you're supposed to dislike her. Do we like her? Do we appreciate how she is? Do we not? And she was that the whole way through. Even when the shit hits the fan, there is a thing going on where we are, I'm convinced anyway, the whole time that she loves her daughter, but she's just fucked up a little bit. And now she wants to make it all right. So they never let her fall off of that. They never blew it out of proportion. It was just this consistent, like, you know, I really like that. You know, they also... well, one of the things I really liked is that at the beginning, when they first move in, and then they get invited to a cook cook out or whatever they call it, and they go over, and uh, a potluck. Yeah, and she, and they say and they introduce Jennifer Lawrence's character to this handsome dude who's swimming. I, I, I that actually threw me for a loop because I thought, oh, this is just that boring teenage thing where yeah, yeah, yeah and they turn out. But, like, they don't, do they? Yep. they? They switch it. So they do switch it quite a few times. Because he's presenting one thing. Yeah. And there's something else. Yeah, exactly. He's pre- he looks perfectly fine. Nice. Um, not really a spoiler, but he's kind yeah. of like a jerky exactly. asshole, right? But, yeah, it, it is playing with the And that's the why I like Elizabeth Shue's character. The mother is constantly admitting that she's been a fuck-up. She's constantly admitting... But we see that she's got her shit together. She's a doctor. She's been to a psychiatrist. Yeah, and but she never denies anything. She never. She she is who she is, and so is the daughter. Like they are never. And, and this isn't a bad thing. They never surprise us, or like we never have any crack in who they are. That's no. a good thing. Everyone around them is a bit. Are they? Are they what they think they are? But they kept those two as like you don't have to ever wonder if fifteen minutes in the future we're all of a sudden going to find out some horrible mystery about the mother because you feel like I'm convinced who she is, or, and that's or any mystery about either of them at all. Exactly, they're, they're just what they are. They're plain like these are the people. They've you're... been plunked in a bunch of people who are. Ugh. It's not a good place. No. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's kind of like a. It's like a real middle of the road thing for me. I enjoyed it. I there was a few twists. I got bored a few times. Too, I didn't quite get. Honest. No, I didn't get bored. But I because I was always like, <laughs> I was thinking. Well, actually, part of it is Jennifer Lawrence. I think she elevates it up, like because if it was just some other teenage actress who I, you know, maybe wasn't as good. It could have been a really bleh thing. I think the same about Elizabeth Shue as the mother. There yeah. are lots of... You could stuff a bunch of women of that age, actresses, who would have done it just kind of... But uh, I think, you know, if it was the hot teenage actress of the time, of now... Or like uh, Megan Fox or somebody like that. Yeah, it could have been a, um, like, oh, God, you know? <laughs> but she just... We like to associate Megan Fox with... Ugh. Apart from I really like Jennifer's body. True. I, I, you know, it's, it's actually really good, that movie. I just like... Jennifer's body is a good example of one that you feel it's got the creep factor eventually. You're kind of creep... You're, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't like this. It, it was... It did go overboard. And yeah. And there was blood and there was, you know, it was pretty nasty in, in parts. Yeah, and that was a turn things on its head movie. Because yeah. you didn't really 100% know where anything was going at any time. That's why I liked it. Um... But yeah, this one, uh, the cast kind of elevated for me. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue. I've not don't feel like I've seen her for a mm-hmm. long time. And when I saw, her, I was like, oh, yeah, I really like her. Yep. Like, I, like I do like her as an actress. I do too. I don't want to see her. I think she's consistent. Like Hollow Man is crap, but she's my favorite part of it because I think the same thing every time I see her. She never does anything low quality. Sometimes she's a little actressy occasionally. But she's been doing this since she was, like, a kid, and I think sometimes that just comes out, or the director doesn't catch it, or... But other than that, I think she adds... Maybe it's just my history with her. I've watched her since, you know, we she's our age, so... But I feel like she... Every little movement, and every head gesture, and her looks that she gives, and the shoulder things, she doesn't just, like, read her lines and do this, like... You know, we all know. There are some actresses who do that but i feel like she added a lot and i was looking forward to each time we were going to see her or see what what her perspective was on this moment and when we're going back to her back and forth to the two main ladies that i was always looking forward to it so that's something good Uh, and another thing on this movie just finally before we go into the cast is it committed us a couple of you know director of photography committed some cardinal sins what i hate one (laughs) at the beginning 
it mm. was wonky cam and I don't know why it was that and then it's then it wasn't that like it did that for it a little bit it faded away didn't yeah it? it did it did fade away and when it started I was like oh come on you don't need to do this Jennifer um, Lawrence she sat on the car with her guitar and she's talking to her mom and it's zooming zooming and I was like no don't do that because that's going to make this whole movie that and I'm just going to notice that for some reason, he stopped doing it. Yeah, and I didn't even... It was weird because I was hating it, and then all of a sudden I'm like, It went away. Where did just it just completely <laughs> went away. And then secondly, the revolving shot around people. Ugh. That happens a few... Three times that I noticed. Yeah, annoyingly happened. And, and another one, which I feel is like straight out of film school, and it really bugs me, uh, defocus somebody and then focus in on them to introduce them. I hate that. Um, it's just... Now, you've said in the past that you like that a lot. No, I, no, I like depth of field. I don't like that. Depth of field is the opposite of that. What do you mean? Where the background is defocused, the character's sharp. That's what you just said. No, I'm talking about the character's blurry, and then you f- pull it in, focus them in. I'm talking about... From defo- far away. Well, there was, there was several shots where he did it. One that really annoyed me was she stood there... And uh, she is completely blurry, and then it's like you, it's like me putting my glasses on, like it slow, not slowly even, just did that. He did it several times. It's like it's annoying. It's like as annoying to me as like if somebody's using um, like uh, a video editor and they've found oh this is a cool transition and they use the transition on their YouTube video all the bloody time. Like right. by the end of it, you're like, God, couldn't you use something else or just not use it at all? Because once, maybe, but when it, when it's happening over and over I again. I don't remember that at all. Could yeah. you remember a specific scene? Yeah, there's one where she's stood in front of the house. And uh, she's thinking, looking. She says, why would people Why would people live in the woods? No, can people live can in people, the woods? Can people, whatever she said. She says it. And then the, the camera's looking at her and she's defocused completely. And then it, she comes into vision. But there's there's another one where she's... Playing a guitar mm. on the um, stage. She's playing, yeah, and then she's also playing a guitar on the. We did we mention she was a musician? Mm. She's playing the guitar on the sitting outside, and it, the camera goes up over the roof. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird shot too. It seemed like a. It, yeah, there were some weird shots where you where I was pulled out of the movie because I'm thinking the what was he thinking with this shot? This shot doesn't even seem to match this movie, and why? Why are we shaky cam and then we're not? And it never returns. It's like they nope. almost thought, hey, we'll do this. Uh, no, it's bad Even idea. in the moments when, if it's used to show some sort of emotional turmoil, it never comes back. No, it doesn't. It's a compl- It's that movie where I'm, like, annoyed by it. Like, uh, you know. Like, then, oh, God, I'm going to have to watch this for two hours. Yeah, like, like it interrupts the flow of the story because I'm concentrating on the... Well, like, you can't help it, can you? It's, like, waggling all over the place. You're kind of like, ugh. But it's a funny one, because usually somebody does it and then continues to do it, don't they? But it really don't. So there was a bit of that stuff that was annoying me. Um, but overall, you know, let's move on to the cast. Jennifer Lawrence plays Alyssa. We did mention them just then. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she elevates it for me. I like watching her. You know, I think she was a good choice for The Hunger Games. Obviously now she's going to be... We're going to see a lot of her, because she's... You know, she's in an Oscar-nominated movie this year. And then she's going to be in Hunger Games, Hunger Games, and then she's going to be in X-Men again. You know, she's in the second X-Men movie. Um, so we're going to see a lot of her. I actually really like her. Do you like her? Mm-hmm. Um, she's, you know... What have we seen her in? Hunger Games and this, so far. Me, yeah. And me. Um, X-Men, you said, but I don't remember. What was she in X-Men? Mystique in X-Men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good in it. Yeah. The idea, this one is different to those, obviously. She, she's done big, big super-duper movies, and then this one's very pretty small, isn't it, in, in comparison? Plus, also a different genre. I, d- I don't know about her range. I don't know if I've seen it yet. What do you mean? Like, acting range. I don't know. I, I feel that she... She's pretty flat most of the time, to be really honest. But she's good at that. Right, but that's... That doesn't make her good. The only thing I... The, what I like about her are the little teeny tiny things that she does and that she commits. It feels like she's committing to what she's doing in the moment. But there is nothing... She's just... 
occasionally she smiles, and in this one she got scared a couple times. But she's in in as cat, she's one hundred percent stern mm-hmm. and tough. But that doesn't make you good. So there has to be more. I just happen to like. The way she was in this movie, and with Elizabeth Shue, and you know, scene by scene, I was I was liking how she was doing it, but that doesn't make her good. So, so then we've got Elizabeth Shue as Sarah, mother. You know, she's in it. She's not in it a ton. She's not the main focus of she's the movie. She's in it a lot. She's not the main focus of the movie. Um, no, but she's in it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's their relationship. It's a lot of her on the telephone. Talking about them. The yeah. movie's about their relationship. Right. Mostly. And then this other stuff kind of moves around. And like we mentioned earlier, she's, she's good. Yeah. I don't know why we don't see her more often. I think maybe, she's picky. Maybe she took a break to have children or... No, no. She has children of all ages. I just think she's very... God knows why she picked Hollow Man. But then again, it was probably directed by somebody and it had Kevin Bacon. And Hollow Man's uh, Paul Verhoeven, I think. Isn't it? Like Robocop dude. Don't remember. I actually liked Hollow Man. It was interesting. That was concept. so bad. This interesting whole, concept. I'll tell you a so bad, bad one. Hollow Man 2 was terrible. That was <laughs> yeah. a bad one. Um, and Max Thoreau, or Thoreau, I can never is Canadian dude, right? I don't know how to say. Plays it. Ryan, um, and he's like the you know the antagonist of the movie, I guess. In the moments when he's supposed to be this or that, he does a very good job at the this or the that. But as, as a whole character, it's hard to string it all together. Now, when they did, the- and his teeth are so, so distracting. Oh my god, they've been capped, obviously, or veneered and they just I know it shouldn't be a distraction but it's so obviously an attempt to make somebody perfect looking or something and it's so distracting <laughs> well, and what, so inappropriate for his character so inappropriate for his character oh my because God. where would he have had time to do that and why would he have done that he wouldn't exactly. have done that he's he, not, I mean he's living this tormented life he's yeah. no way Unless he was trying to appear like everybody else and went and did it yeah maybe to maybe. Fit, in, fit in at school or whatever I don't know but even then it's inappropriate <laughs> um, but yeah, I liked him, and what made me like him a little bit more was when we watched the extras. When he was talking to the camera, you know, most people on these, like, behind-the-scenes featurettes, they just spew out some bull. He was actually talking about, you know, killers that he'd researched mm-hmm. and movies that he'd watched, like Psycho and stuff. And I was like, well, this kid's actually seems to have gone a bit further than... Instead of going, oh, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. That yep, yep. blur exactly. that comes He sounded like he knew, and he had done research. So that kind of made me like him a bit more afterwards. And sometimes extras do that, don't they? They do. It's, it's, it shouldn't, because the movie should always speak for itself. Because in my it's mind... Like I'm looking at a painting, and I think, eh, so what, so what? But then someone tells me the tragic story of the artist, and all of a sudden I go, oh, well, it is beautiful. But that doesn't make sense, because it is what it is. So yeah. In my mind, I... I was thinking about him when it had ended and the credits were rolling. I said, when we watch some extras, this kid who plays the baddie is going to spew out all those things that I hate. Like, I, I stepped it up an arch, I did that. You know, you know what I mean. Really want to make like, character pop. Yeah, like that shit. And when he did it, I was like, okay, he's an yeah. intelligent dude, this guy. Like, he like he went back and researched. What else has he been in? Uh, I'm not familiar with him at all. I was familiar with his face. But. He looks like Cliffy B to me in their Gears of War. He looks like Cliffy B's love child. <laughs> <laughs> so this is directed by Mark Tondere. I am not familiar with him at all. He's directed one other movie and it was called Hush. It's a British movie. Um, and like I say, the direction of this movie is alright. The cinematography DP dude, I'm not a fan of it. It was a bit too, I don't know what I'm doing so I'll do yeah. all of it. Like, I'll do everything. All those techniques, you're going to see them. I didn't like that. Because it didn't... Like you say, it feels like... And you shouldn't notice the cinematography if it's a good thing. You should notice, oh yeah, it looks really cool or whatever. But you shouldn't notice it over the story. Right, Right, yeah. Shouldn't distract you. That's what happened to me. Um, So, on the Blu-ray, you get uh, one feature... One featurette... Well, that's not true, because you get sneak peeks for other okay. movies. The unrated cut, it says on the back here. Terror hits home in the chilling unrated cut with a shocking added twist that you didn't see in the theatres. An added twist. Oh, and we didn't research, so we don't know what it is. I did research and couldn't find nothing on I it. I mean, we don't know what they mean by added twist. Right. So there's an added twist which lasts one minute. Maybe it's that bit at the end. Remember? 
it ends and then there's the end yeah. of his. Yeah, thing. it could could be that because it's about a minute long and it does explain something beyond what we've known at all. It actually explains the whole thing because you're not sure, right? What the how, what led to this and how uh, and then that. So to me, that's the added bit maybe. So there's one featurette and it's called um, Journey into Terror Inside the House at the End of the Street. Lasts about ten minutes. Um, like I say, it made me like the dude a bit better. But it it wasn't much to it. I didn't feel like I learned a lot. I didn't see They'd any stunts one, being done. The or, way they did it, because it was done okay. It wasn't. I don't like those producer people though. They always they always make, put them in there. Oh my and god! And they always and appear all annoying. The same. I don't mean to be judgmental, but oh my god, why are producers so freaking sleazy? When like? you put a producer in a featurette <laughs> and he's talking about the cast and the crew or the movie, when the when anybody else talks, I'm fine with it. When a producer talks and he talks about the movie, I always feel he doesn't even know what this movie is. He's just saying something he was told. He just like he like he doesn't. He, he knows that Jennifer Lawrence is in it. Oh, I disagree with you because producers have right. to be on the. Well, I'm not disagreeing because I disagree with you. Producer, no, I'm has just to saying be that's there. how I see Producer things. has to be the guy who hooks up with the casting person and hooks up with the people making the set. So he knows everything about it, but he's also the guy who is the go-between between this the maybe project I, Maybe I'm mixing studio. it up about executive producers then. Because sometimes when there's, when there's a talking head, it's usually an older man. Yeah. And he looks like he's got a lot of money. And he just talks very vanilla about Superficial, right. Now yeah. those people are removed, but a producer is actually hands-on. Yeah. It's the and that's what this guy is. But they're still sleazy because they're the one who has to take this project, whatever it is, and continuously sell it to the studio people with all those buzzwords like you said. Oh, we're taking it to another level. They said it was a Hitchcockian movie for fucking teenagers, which was a load of shit. I can see a Hitchcockian influence in this, definitely. Well, only on the most basic yes. film student level. Yeah, but the fact that it doesn't use blood and gore, which Alfred Hitchcock didn't, to to yes, there's the shower scene in Psycho, but it's not a blood and gore scene. It's more like what you think. And this movie uses that. The no. more terrifying bits are the bits that you don't see, right? That is what like what Hitchcock was. I don't think good. that I think he was just using it as a way to. And that's what I mean. It doesn't applicable, but they have to use all these buzzwords and like Hollywood way, and that's what free, that's what creeps me out about producer people. But I guess they are a necessary part of the process. Yeah, they wouldn't get made without them. So yeah. <laughs> you get the one extra, and that is it, which is unfortunate. Um, there, Not really. I, I was fine with there the is a, Well, I'd like a commentary, to be honest. There's a digital copy and a DVD version. What would also. you want from a commentary on this particular movie? Well, that it, director, I don't really know much about him. I, and I like listening to directors. Mm. It's one of my favourite things. I like putting the commentary on, on a movie and listening to a director. If it's a director I love, it's really always really interesting. If it's a director I don't really know the vibe of him, I can get the vibe of him after ten minutes of a commentary. Right. Whether he doesn't give a shit or whether... This was like a personal project to him, or you can just tell when they start talking. True. Um, so yeah, I would have liked to hear more from him, but obviously we're not going to this time. So, um, in conclusion, House at the End of the Street. I would say it's it's a tiny frazzle bit above just an average. What you know, it's billed as a horror movie but it's like you said it's a pg-13 horror movie just it's got enough elements to make it just above but it doesn't stimulate me much do you think the age group it's aimed at would love it well they showed they loved it by going seeing it i guess we don't know who went to see it but we only know people did but i don't know i guess so i mean it has all the elements of if I'm thinking back being a teenager. Yeah, but when I was a teenager, I, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much because there was no gore and stuff. And I was ra- you were raised in the era of the original gore. Friday the 13th, you know, Freddy, all that shit that was unnecessarily gory, but we latched onto it. So I don't know. I would have been probably waiting for some more. But there's the, and not that that's good, but I don't know. Uh, and me personally, I found it middle of the road. I was entertained, but it's not like... It's not anything that will stick with me. Yeah. But a couple of twists that I kind of got sidetracked by was were good. Like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it does turn it on its head a few times. But a little bit too, like I say, I'd rather it be an R-rated movie and push it a bit further. 
you didn't explain fully why the movie was made in 2010 and released in 2012. It was to do with Jennifer Lawrence was becoming... You know this for a fact? Yes. Because the two stories I read were the studio wasn't... No, I'm just saying. The two stories I read... I don't know where they're from, really, if they're legitimate, was that the studio wasn't 100% happy with it. They argued about releasing it. Then that led into this, and the only way we're going to recoup is if we wait it out and do that. That's a similar story that I read. About she got cast into the Hunger Games. They were about to release this movie. Then the decision was made, well, she's going to be a megastar after the Hunger Games, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So we'll release it after the Hunger Games because... That the audience that this is aimed at will be wanting more of her at a particular point just after the Hunger Games, which is true. So, might be why. Mm. You know, and as we say, the cover to this Blu ray is awesome, but it is literally um, her face close up. You can tell who she is 100%. Um, oh, I didn't know who she was till you told me. Oh, you didn't? Well, nope. I can tell who she is 100%. She's so recognizable. It could be the Hunger Games, too, for all I know. See, to right me, now. because they've cut the edges of her cheeks off, and that's what makes her recognizable to me as a shape It's her eyes for me. Mm. So, yeah, that's what that was the story. So it did get it did get put on the shelf for two years, uh, but now it's released. So um, thanks to Fox for the Blu-ray, um, the contest. I've actually got a new contest this week. If you go on the site this week, um, you'll be able to win a Blu-ray copy of The Thieves, which is a... Um, I always never know what where where they're from. Uh, this is from Wellgo USA. They do a lot of Japanese and Chinese movies, um, and this is a heist movie. Um, a Japanese or Chinese heist movie? Japanese heist movie. I love heist movies. So if you want to win a copy on Blu-ray, um, The Thieves, you can enter on Monday when the when the. Um, what year was it released? This year. Uh, not two thousand and twelve. So, yeah, that's The Thief. So you can win a copy of that. Um, and next week's Blu-ray review is Compliance. So we will be looking at Compliance next week. Do you know what Compliance is? I know what Compliance means. Well, that's what it's about. <laughs> it's about Compliance. So we'll be looking at that next week. So what's the new movie game? New, new movie game is you say a movie and I have to pick what year it was made in. Right, of all so. the years that have ever existed, we don't get... It's not multiple choice. And other way around, we ask each other a movie and then have to find fig, figure out the year and without you, looking it up. You can play along at home if you're in the car listening or whatever. Don't look it on your iPhone. Just uh, try and guess. Uh, so my uh, question to you is when, based on this movie, kind of, when was the movie Psycho released? Ooh. I'm going to say... 1964. Karong. Karong? Yeah, 1960. Oh, right. Wow, wow. Yeah, so Psycho 1960. Okay. We're doing well on this game, aren't we? <laughs> Neither of us have done right. <laughs> now you can't look at the screen. All right. so look away. Look away, young man. And mine is going to be... Okay. Okay. The movie is... It's going to dredge up an old memory. Against all odds. Against all odds. Phil Collins. Well. <laughs> um, Against all odds. I can hear it now. I can see them now. On the beach. Um, I think that's 1992. Wait, really? Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yeah. 1984. Wow. I know. It's a 1980s movie. Well in the... Thick of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, man. 1984. How can you just walk away from me? Exactly. <laughs> it's got the most... It's so freaking dramatic, and then the story is what it is, right? And it's all about, like, deception and stuff. But, um, oh my god, we just lapped it up. It was we did. like... I, I seriously thought that was a 90s movie. All right, so movie recommendations this week. Uh, I am going with Psycho. 1960. 1960. And this movie's nothing to do with what we've just watched. But I watched a, a documentary on Netflix this week called American Grindhouse. And it's about... And it's really good. It's almost like being in a class at school and being taught the history of a particular thing. Uh, but this time it's Grindhouse Cinema, which Tarantino kind of... Described Grindhouse. It's uh, exploitation cinema. 
Explo- exploiting anything. It can be anything. That still doesn't explain it to me. Um, it can be... Um, give us a context of what happen- What what makes this movie an, an exploitation slash whatever you're saying movie. What is it about the movie that makes it that? Well, it exploits a certain topic or subject or... Doesn't everything? Uh, this exploits... Give us an example. Like Nazi werewolves of the SS. Okay. Isn't or... that just considered a B-movie? No, they're not considered a B-movie when they are particularly exploitative in the, the subject. They go over the top with gore or some gimmick to make you want to watch it. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you could say, is a grindhouse movie. Um, there's lots of weird... If you watch this documentary, American Grindhouse, there are lots of weird genres of movie, including genres of movies that came from other genres of movies throughout... It was from the 19... 19- 50s until like the end of the 70s this existed and it was primarily for like sex theaters or um, drive-in movie places um that's where they mainly aired so would hobo with a gun be considered a grindhouse movie hobo with a shotgun yeah would be a modern day grindhouse movie because it is being the that those movies it's almost like it was made then even the way they make it right so grindhouse which Tarantino and Rodriguez did, is a tribute to these old, crappy movies that were popular. Because people wanted to go to the drive-in and watch a horror movie. And these people who made these horror movies tried to make them more and more and more gory or more sex or to get the people back. Like, it was just... Sell- it was, they just wanted people in the seats, basically. So, if they can promise the next one's more gory than the one you just saw, you'll come back next week to see Why is it called Grindhouse? Uh, It never really said why it was called that. Not a very good class. Um, It's to do with, like, the type... Yes, Grindhouse is because it started in the sex theatres. They used to just show porno, those theatres. And then there was a point where these movies came along, which were, like, sometimes... So, porno theatres called Grindhouse? Because, yeah, because of grinding and... It's yeah. like a house, yeah. Okay. So um, they, they used to just show porn in those porno theatres, but then when these Grindhouse movies came along and they were there was enough sex and violence in them anyway, these porno theatres started to show them as well, and that's where they were primarily shown until the drive-ins came along and then started showing But yeah, this is the history of Grindhouse, and it covers weird, this weird genres within genres. There's a genre where um, there's... It's a whole genre... Because there was hundreds of movies made of the topic of a man with two heads. There's a... What? I just have to look that up. Because, I mean, a genre is something, but then so is a theme. So, like, you know... Well, themes, genre, whatever. You know, like, what what I mean was, like, somebody made a movie about a man with two heads, and then somebody else made a movie about a man with two heads, and then there was 50 movies about a man with two heads. And similar to Django Unchained that we saw recently, like Tarantino said, there's over 40 sequels to Django, the original Django from the 60s. There's over 40 sequels that are unofficial sequels because these grindhouse makers who make these cheap movies Mm. decided, we want a Django as well. Django's really popular and it's a cheap... But Django didn't become a, a genre. Well, the spaghetti western... Spaghetti western was a genre... And then Grindhouse Spaghetti Western not was a genre too. It was a rip-off of Spaghetti Westerns yeah. made on the cheap, not even made in Italy. But then, yeah, yeah. but it, it get, all gets watered down. And then it gets... Then there was times in the 70s where you couldn't show sex. Times in the 60s where sex was like... They were, the government were cracking down on showing porn. So these people who made these kind of sexy movies said, well, what can we show? Oh, we can show violence. Nobody cares about that. So they made their movies extremely violent all of a sudden. So you had movies with sexy girls, but only a, only a touch of sexy girl, more murder. Like, you know? So it, the times kind of changed this genre. And it it's really interesting. Robert Forster, who plays, you know, in Jackie Brown, the uh, bail bondsman in Jackie Brown, he does the narration over the top, which is a perfect choice. And... Um, it's really interesting. They they show you clips from all these movies. They show you interviews with directors like John Landis, um, who made American Wealth in London. Uh, and they 
talk about like because they were around when these were in the theaters Correct. and they went to see them so you know they tell, they tell you about you know their memories of seeing these movies but it's on Netflix and it's called American Grindhouse so Sid Talk what are your recommendations mine are and I've forgotten already oh yeah because we just watched it a while back and it is sort of another take and if you take the theme of this movie Cabin in the Woods and apply it to this one. House at the End of the Street. And say that House at the End of the Street is also a part of Cabin in the Woods. The whole right. the theme of it fits perfect. And I it was like a surprise. Yes, it had its weaknesses, but it was really fun. If you've watched lots of lots of horror and sci-fi movies over your life, I think Cabin in the Woods is... I'd watch it again right now. I think it'd be really fun to see it again and to try to spot more and more things. And then... Um, the other one is I was trying to think of a movie with uh, Elizabeth Shue that wasn't Hollow Man or Leaving Las Vegas and Soap Dish. I'd totally forgotten that she was the girl in Soap Dish, the comedy with Whoopi Goldberg and Kevin Klein about and uh, Sally. Um, oh my God, what's her name? Sally Fields. Yes, and they're in a soap opera. It's like yes. comedy, and she comes along as the long lost daughter kind of a thing, and. Just kind of a generic young lady playing this role, but it's really funny. I think it holds up even now. If I were to watch it again, it'd be really funny. Elizabeth, she was in Piranha as well, right? Correct. Um, yeah, she. She was. doesn't always make great choices, but I do think she's particular in a weird way. I think she was actually in that remake of Piranha they did as well. Yeah, she was just the with Ving Rhames. When you look down, yes, with Ving yeah. Rhames, yeah. Alright, so uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. There's not been many games. Devil May Cry came out this week. I have it, and I have not played it, so I cannot talk about it. But all I can say is, it was getting pretty good reviews, so I'm excited to play it. Um, some people were pissed because they've reinvented Devil May Cry, and it's like really emo. That's what they were saying, like they've emoed it up. What does that mean? You like, know me, I don't like Like Dante, the main character, is now what you would consider to be an emo. I don't even know what that means. So. Right, it's like a... Um, a My people Chemi- apply it to The people. lead singer from My Chemical Romance. I don't know what that means either. Right, so... Do you mean just do to wear hoodies and talk about feelings? E- that seems a bit Yeah, broad. a bit of makeup, a bit of, bit of spiky hair, a bit of... I don't even understand what emo is, really. Right, well, the original... Emotional? The original... Yeah, that's what it means. The original Devil May Cry Dante was this badass... Like Dracula time type of dude, like like this Van Helsing kind of guy, similar to that, kind of this old timey kind of fighter kind of. And this new guy, they've modernized him up. They've so they've got rid of Dante and they made this new guy. I think he's still Dante, but he's new Dante, and he's with the times. He's tattooed. He's he has his chain on his pants. He. He looks like today's people. I don't understand labeling people, but I guess that's just part of what you people do. Even they said that. <laughs> Get it? We have, you people. Yeah. We have... Um, you labelers. So, yeah, they've made him modern, which he was not. He was, they don't he was like a it. mythical type of back-in-the-past kind of figure. And there's a lot of Devil May Cry games. We've got four of them. And this is... They're saying they rebooted it. Some people are annoyed by it because they love that character. They love how he looked. They loved his story. Now we're in like modern day, and he's the same character, the same kind of game. It's just he's apparently, and this is what I hear, quite annoying. This new character, he's mouthy. He one-liners it. He does that a lot. So, and the old Dante like from the game where the girl's got the boyfriend's head on her hip. Right, which was really cool. Yeah, but I mean, like that, like real snarky all More the time. More like that, but not as funny as that. Because that was supposed to be stupid, right? Yeah. This is supposed to be serious, but he's a gobby, gobby, you know, lots of swearing, lots of take that motherfucker, that kind of thing. Charming. Whereas Dante... Charming! Dante would never have said anything like that. He is, does that give just you a, a high rate, a low... Just a cool... What does, when you say motherfucker on your podcast, what does that do to your rate, to your... You have to explicit tag it. <laughs> explicit. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to playing it because actually the gameplay of Devil May Cry has always been really fun. Um, if you've ever played a game called Bayonetta as well, it's similar to that kind of gameplay. It's very fast. It's like God of War, 
but Dante actually has pistols and he has a whip um, and you can combine lots of moves together so he can jump up in the air he can shoot he can whip has he become Dante like I'm not even supposed to be here today that Dante? no (laughs) far from that one another move well if you think about it he was a whiner he had lots of one liners well, this, and dark is, hair. this new one might be. Yeah. Some questionable facial hair. So I'm Dante exci- is from Clerks, by the way. The I'm excited to play it just because I like Devil May Cry and, you know, Capcom. Cap what well, Capcom at the moment. They just seem to be destroying their franchises. Resident Evil. That resident that latest Resident Evil. Six. Horrible. What the hell? Somebody, Why was that even somebody's made? Somebody's given them bad information. And yeah, so they 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 did that with Resident Evil, and I was completely shocked that they would mess Resident Evil up. How and why? It's their best thing. Why did why? And now Devil May Cry. There was nothing wrong with it. The awesome but characters. But you haven't played it yet, so you don't no. Know. I mean, the game might be fine, but what I mean is why change like people love Dante they buy action figures of him they buy posters of him they love him so if you want something new make Devil May Cry the way you have been but improve it but then make a whole new game maybe with an emo yeah there's not Devil May Cry leave the franchise alone because Resident Evil yes Resident Evil 6 it's alright but I don't think it deserves to be a Resident Evil game if it was something else like you said like zombie killing something it would have been really good and everybody would have been like Wow, this is pretty cool for like some new thing that nobody knows. But when you, when it's Resident Evil, you expect something, and then you're like, "Wow, they really half-assed it." So I don't know what Capcom are doing. I think they should get their. Head I think out they should ass. go look. Look, we've got important franchises that people love, right? People love Resident Evil. Let's go back to the beginning. What they loved the beginning. What was it about it? And this is what it was. It was simple. And it was scary. Resident Evil 6 is neither of those things. It's very, very complicated. And it's like an, a John Woo movie. Like an action movie. It's not like a scary movie. In fact, there's never a moment you're scared. Because instead of having... How they made it scary in Resident Evil was... You were in a mansion. You had about six bullets in your gun. And some zombies came. And not, it was dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of zombies came. Like five... May, maybe two or three at, at a time. Mostly one at a time. But it probably took five bullets to take one down. And then you've got no bullets. Or you've got one bullet and you're like, oh crap, I've got to go around the next corner. I've got one bullet. That's going to be scary. I don't know if I'm going to survive it. In the new one, you get infinite ammo a lot of the time. You get a big sword. If 300 zombies come around the corner, you can probably deal with it. So it loses its tension. That's what they need to do, go back. So that's it for this week. Also on the PlayStation Vita... Wake Up Club came out, <laughs> which is a free... They hyped it up a lot. It's an app. Yeah, what it turns out to be is an app. And it's an alarm clock app, which is actually pretty cool because the Vita doesn't have an alarm clock and it will wake you up at a specified time, which is not nothing new really, is it? But now the Vita can be an alarm clock. But what it is, it's social waking up. So they've added an element of game to waking up in the morning. So when you set your alarm for a certain time... It finds 12 other people online who have also set their alarm for that time, and hence a wake-up club. When your alarm goes off, all of those people will be on your alarm clock screen, and it will tell you if they're awake yet or not, if they've pressed the screen. If they've not, you can press them and bug the shit out of them until they get up, because it makes a noise every time you press it on their screen. Right. Now, the aim is for your wake-up club that you're a member of to wake up all together at the same time. You Consistently. Get, you get a trophy, actually, if you all wake up at exactly the same time. And when you, you say wake up, they mean... Press put, the screen. Yeah, reach over to your right. thing and touch the screen. Um, you so, might be woke up and you forgot to touch the screen. Right, and if you and then if you didn't, everybody else will be going, wake up, wake up, and it says, wake up, wake up, and they'll, you know, they'll all be pressing it, trying to get you up, because they want the trophy, and you're holding them back. So yeah. it's like a... It's fun. It's a bit... What they did wrong with it, for me, is it's anonymous. Like, it's not people off your friends list. It's just 12 random people. Hmm. Now, I know why they had to do that. Because if I've only got five people on my friends list and they all get up at a different time than me, well, I'm never going to have anybody to get up with. True. So they have to give me random people. But then it just feels a bit like, well... I just like the idea of somebody else somewhere 
<laughs> and, and it did happen for me this week. Somebody was still asleep and it showed you them snoozing. And I was pressing it, pressing it. Showed pressing them? It. Well, their little icon. Snoozing. Oh, right. And I'm pressing it, I'm pressing it. And it's saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then eventually they turn it off. So it's like, I can just imagine that person going, oh. No, maybe they got, went to the shower. Maybe. And they're in the maybe shower for 10 minutes. Them. Yeah. So that's Wake Up Club. There's like really mad trophies. Like you can get trophies for winning, for waking up. <laughs> There's a trophy for waking up 365 days in a row using the app. Right. Now that, yeah, I guess if you use your Vita permanently as your alarm clock, you're going to get it. But most people are not going to get that, are they? That's, well, a, that's a big commitment <laughs> to get one trophy. Might be good up every day. Right. You might as well have it sit next to you. Yeah. Um, Plus, I'm sure people figure out how to cheat it. It's for, yeah, you could cheat it. I could cheat it now. I could every go day inside, just make change it the date. Yeah. Go inside, change the date, set the thing. Go the inside, other cool thing, it has a countdown timer um, hmm. that you can use. And one of the buttons on the countdown timer is make a cup of tea. And when you press it, it gives you three minutes. Oh. Which is pretty cool because we do our cup of tea for three minutes. We might have to use it someday because I think our <laughs> microwave battery's dying or something. So um, Whatever's getting there. So that's Wake Up Club. It's free. If you've got a PlayStation Vita, pick it up. There's no reason not to. It's free and uh, you can mess around with it. Well, plus it adds an alarm clock function to your Vita, which is cool. So that's it for me this week. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight we're going to have... Um, I don't know what to call it, but I have some tofu that's been marinating in like some sort of like suey, suey, <laughs> suey, soy and sugar. That's suey when you mix it together, you know, like a teriyaki kind of a flavor. Right. And then I made some thin spaghetti and I've got vegetables and it's kind of like when you go to the hibachi grill and you pick all your stuff and then they throw it on the grill and they real fast and put Stir the sauce it. in it. It's not, uh, I guess it is. You do it real fast. So what does that's the fast it. add to it? Uh, you do it super hot. Oh, and you do it really so you get fast. charred a little bit. No, I've never had it charred. It's just that you don't want the vegetables to get all mushy, and you don't want your noodles to get all mushy, and the sauce kind of gets sticky all over everything. So that's the plan. And had two because we ate half of a box of tofu the other day. How was that? Good. I had, I had it, it for my dinner last night. Oh, excellent, excellent. I sliced it real thin, cooked it in the pan with similar things: soy sauce, marjoram, garlic curry powder, onions, and then I got these really soft pita bread things, put it inside of there with some cabbage. It was really good, wasn't it? it and was. then uh, in addition to that, we will have banana split ice cream, which we got a few days ago. And my advice is just have, you know, experience over the weekend that youthful mistakes, youthful I mean between the ages of, say, 12 and 20, right? Maybe 22 Youthful mistakes, no matter how big they are or how damaging they are at the time, it, it's not like it's not like you're doomed to failure for the rest of your life. It depends on the mistake, okay? Yes, you can throw up in my face, well, so-and-so murdered his whole family when he was 17, went to prison, and was executed. Fine. Okay. That will impact the rest of your life, and it's a horrible, horrible thing. I'm talking about mistakes like getting, getting into drugs or even into crime, um... Even getting, like, if you get pregnant when you're really young, or you're a dude and your girlfriends become pregnant, or girls not your girlfriends become pregnant, you become responsible for this other human. All these things that, at the time, seem like the most unsurmountable or insurmountable obstacle in life, and that that's it. That's it. I'm fucked for the rest of my life because of this thing. Yes, it might impact you for the rest of your life. It is not for other people to judge you on, however. It isn't for other people to go, oh, he's a junkie. He's a druggie. She's a druggie. She's been doing drugs. Oh, she's a loser because she's been smoking pot. Or, well, the parents must have raised him really bad because he's in rehab or whatever it is. Because that's bullshit. Like, if you want to pretend you've never made any mistakes or your kids haven't or your siblings haven't or your parents didn't, that's bullshit. Like, you can't... Yes, if someone's actually doing something horrible to you, like they robbed your house and they stabbed you or they shot... I mean, those are things... I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about through the grapevine, we found out that so-and-so's 20-year-old son has ended up in rehab because he got caught making crystal meth and blah, blah, blah. Oh, what a sleazy family. Well, no, because you actually have no idea. And if you do that, then you are making a mistake. That you need to think about. That could impact you. Because you're like cutting people out. 
and putting them down and just feeding into they're already probably feeling really shitty about themselves and they're already feeling like this is it I'm doomed I've screwed up my life and if everyone around you tells you that and, and implies that it's like you you can never overcome it you know unless you're some sort of perfect human being who has coping skills that none of us can comprehend but you know we make we all make mistakes on into our you know older years too but those years it seems like that's when we there's forks in the road you know all the time oh i mean they're gonna do the wrong thing or the right thing wrong thing right thing wrong thing then it's very clear cut as well you know yes i mean they're gonna sit here with this group of people who've just asked me to smoke crack for the first time or no i'm gonna go home because my mom told me to be home by 11 i've never smoked crack i'm always on time uh what I'm going to get off kicked off the baseball team or I'm going to, my grades are going to go down, but these guys are having a lot of fun. So, you know, it's like those choices are given to you more, it seems like, or more intensely when you're that age. Whereas when you're 45 and you're produced, you're presented with two choices like, hey, do you want to invest in my new company? Or and do give crack. Me, or do crack. I'm, I guess I'm thinking of more grown up choices. Yeah, but still. You're just different. True. I could be somewhere else and they present me with like, hey, we're going to go in the back room. We're all a bunch of 45-year-olds. We're going to smoke some crack or do some You just watched Mad Men this week when they were doing LSD. That is true. That is true. All what's in a room and let's do some LSD. And you either choose to, yeah, you, you know more of the impact of something like this and hopefully make a better choice. Now, if you're 95 years old and someone says, hey, you want to smoke crack and you've got terminal cancer... Of course you do. I'm going to say, like, <laughs> you know what? Do whatever. Because I don't, you know, I don't have any... I have no ref- frame of reference for that choice. But if someone around you has a kid or they've talked about their kid and they've got these issues or problems or whatever, it's not even really a problem always. It's just, a, you know, diverging from their planned life. We all shouldn't live on a straight line anyway. That's pretty boring. So um, think about it the next time you're gossiping about somebody or you're judging someone because you heard that he went to jail for three days because he had pot in the back of his car and, oh, his parents must be losers because they can't even control their own kid. You know that's not true. I know that's not true. So my advice is don't be that person. (laughs) I don't know how else to sum that up, but that's the think about that. All right. So thank you for listening to uh, our lovely show. Uh, you can catch us, uh, well, ascoli.com is the website you can catch this podcast on. Or you can go and see Sid Talk's uh, stuff at sidtalk.com. That's C-I-D-T-A-L-K. And my stuff is mostly just about me. Yeah. <laughs> Not really about the world. It's about what I cook and what I draw and what I think and everything else. You can catch us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Been using that. Um, YouTube YouTube you can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store the Zoom Marketplace or Xbox Marketplace whatever they want to call it and you can catch it on the RSS feed just go to acecully.com click on the word podcast you can subscribe using anything I've actually been using this new one in Windows 8 called Podcasts with an exclamation point at the end it's really good you mean podcasts yeah and our podcast is catalogued in there and it shows up every week in it and you don't have to download it you can stream it straight from it it's also available on Android and iOS and so if I have a Windows Windows phone I can just listen any phone yeah it's just an app I mean iPhone would have iTunes on it but right but you can buy any other app on there as well hmm. so um yeah uh that is way how you can catch us. You can email feedback to me at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not want your stuff. Communications. And um, stay classy. Um, I was going to say Jennifer Lawrence, but no, Elizabeth Shue. Classy, and I'd like to see more of her. I agree. With I, you. For some reason, I think she might be in a TV show or something. I think she has been. Yeah. And I'm going to say think for yourselves, because if you don't do it, someone is already doing it for you.